Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Bijou Podcasts. Oh, we had sex in the thing. Yeah, yeah. So oh I drank, drank oh, a whole right. lot of water, like a crazy <laughs> amount of water. I remember just feeling that sitting there just going, oh, man, I'm going to explode. I'm just so much water in my blood. How can I think about wanking or having sex right now? What's going on? <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Couple Goals. I am Ben Jenkins. And I'm Stacey Jean. That's my Wi-Fi. <laughs> you know, when you're in radio, you are so, like, droned into that everything has to be consistent. Like, for example, never, ever could you ever have somebody introduce the episode one week and then another person introduce no. it the other week. It was just... There were just so many rules that were built in probably 1952 and we were still living by them. So when you were doing it, I felt like I was at school and I was being naughty because you had introduced it and I hadn't. Got to have consistency, yeah? Yeah. First up, big bit of apology about this construction. I mean, I wish that I could tell you that there was this really incredible uh, production of construction workers working next to our home unfortunately there is a dude that must be building some fucking furniture at the back of (laughs) our place in a car park it's just so not glamorous but it just so happens to be directly next to the window of where we record yeah definitely building furniture there's some furniture building going on there. oh last night i told him to rack off because i had a coaching group he was very nice about that he was lovely and i was also nice yeah um you were you were delightful i was you were i agree I am excited to get into this podcast this week. Mm. If you haven't listened to the show before, we are a couple that is going through a fertility journey for our first baby. Bijou baby hashtag is what we're we're dubbing uh, that particular exercise. Maybe the baby will continue to be Bijou baby when it finally fucking decides to get here. Or hashtag Bijou baby. Who knows? But um, (laughs) if you are looking... So just correcting, yeah. If you're looking to find out... Why we're in a fertility journey road and why we're infertile, I guess, is what the technical terms are. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can go back and listen to episodes one and two where we throw you all of the info about why we do things the way we do them. Mm -hmm. Male fertility issues. But this will be a little bit of a snapshot on that journey because we probably will go back to the beginning because today we want to talk about decision making yeah it's such a title that i suppose is thrown around from day to day because it's so integrated decision making into our lives particularly when you're a new couple as well there's a lot more decisions i feel like you make because you're kind of figuring out who each of you are but i'd never realized until this particular topic came up when we thought about the things we wanted to cover on this first season Mm. that how many decisions you have to make when it comes to a fertility journey or fertility support. Yeah, it's not a roller coaster. You just jump on and go for the ride. No, you have to make a lot of decisions to shape your twists and turns, twists and turns yourself. Totally. And I don't know if there's ever been, I don't know if there's ever been another part of my life pre you and now you Mm. where I've had to make so many decisions. Like, I mean, you wake up in the morning and by the end of the day, you could be making two or three decisions that you didn't know you were making when you woke up. And they're pretty nerve wracking, like, because you don't, you're not. Well, just whether you get a kid or not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's the end of them. It's crazy. Yeah. And you're not, you're also not an expert in the field. It's so far removed from what you do in the day to day. So Mm. when you get to this situation, you're like, shit, uh, do we do this or do we do that? I'm not sure. You tell me. And you have to rely on on um, professional opinions from people that you've only just met. I think the interesting thing that I want to say straight up before we get into, I guess, a little bit of a timeline of all the decisions we've actually had to make 
over the last, I guess, just under two years of us trying for a baby is that one thing I am very proud of and very, uh, I guess, established in being is that the decisions always land with us. Yeah. And I think often in this particular journey, whether it's at the beginning of the process, in the middle because you're so exhausted, towards the end because you're even more exhausted, it's very easy to start to get a bit on pilot mode where you just start to take for verbatim what one doctor or a couple of people are saying. Yeah. Having said that, I think on the flip side of that, I had so many people, in, and I've pulled it back now, but at one point I had so many people and so many therapists and so many opinions that I was making separate decisions for separate parts of my body, all trying to help me fall pregnant. And it felt towards the end that I was also probably making things harder for myself. So there is a balance yeah. that I needed to find and, and unfortunately probably found that the hard way. Yeah, it's tricky when you've got so many different areas that the and advice from different people and juggling that and figuring out you know what information what information do I take from this person how does that integrate here am I moving in a straight line or is the information conflicting um, yeah it can just get very tricky so you've got to kind of manage that as well there's another decision you've got to make is how many how many opinions do I want to mm. let influence me yeah mm. so where do you want to start well, I think we can just start in the beginning of where the decisions, you know, we had to make. I mean, post making the decision that we wanted to start trying for a baby. Well, we did. I mean, that's a decision in itself. Yeah. Like you de- you need to decide you want to do that before you start trying. Yeah. It was pretty, I don't remember a conversation about kids. I think it was just natural. We're both, we're yeah. both uh, you know, a bit older when we found each other. I'm a bit older than you. Um, we both knew we wanted to have a family. And I think it was just natural and it was just sort of like we both understood or even felt that we knew that we wanted to have a family and have kids. Do you you feel like before you met me, you weren't as fluid in that, I guess, journey? So, you know, when you met me and because I was so open and really quite encouraging to having a family whichever way we needed to have it because early days I found out that it wouldn't be through sex and just a natural conception. But my reaction still to this day is probably a quite I'm quite proud. It's a testament to the kind of person that I am, which is very much everything can be solved and everything can be worked out. Was it was it always that fluid with you or was that was it influenced by my I guess my attitude? Uh well I think your attitude, you're right, was very was very fluid with it. I think in previously when I'd considered having children and even attempted to have children in a, in a previous relationship, that was more box ticking. I don't think there Mm. was too much thought. It was like, okay, I'm at this age now. It's time to try and have kids. Um, And I don't think I felt it as much and felt so sure as I do in trying to have children with you. Mm. Absolutely. And I think that's what, in turn helped me be so fluid and excited and happy with it because there was I'd never I knew you you were to be the father of my children so it wasn't a matter of me thinking is this the right guy for me this is going to be a hard road there was no other guy for me so we were always doing it whichever way we had to do it as long as we were doing it together it didn't, yeah, yeah there was no and I believe that this infertility journey or fertility journey was my journey. Like I don't believe that it's your journey because you had the cancer. It's our journey. And it always, I just didn't know that was going to happen to me. Yeah, I I had no awareness that this was going to be my path. Yeah. And that was a hard thing for you to get your head around for, for a, for a long period. And it was very frustrating and was delayed though. I think even a bit upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. It was delayed. delayed. I I think, well, we were in love, you know, and that's it. Like you just swept off your feet and you're both in love. You're like, oh yeah, sure. Whatever. I've got to have kids. How? Yeah. (laughs) yeah, Okay. No worries. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Um, (laughs) Well, pretty much it was actually like that. And I also think I was really naive. Yeah. You know, I I really had no idea all of the decisions that had to be made. So we obviously. You never know what's in store. Like you can say, yeah, that's okay. But you never know the reality of it until you get get stuck into trying to have um, trying to have kids. The 
quote unquote unnatural way. Yeah, I was quite aware that there was going to be. I was I was quite aware that it was going to change the timeline of my idea of having children, though, because I think very early on we would have met in about March, and by late October we were in the fertility specialist, a fertility specialist's office. Yeah, and I don't remember the conversation around how we got there but I think I had made a decision because you had had an attempt earlier with another partner that I was quite I was feeling quite um uneducated and and I wanted more information about what the options were what the process entailed for me Mm. and I felt like I wasn't getting enough of that from you to be honest and so we made the decision to start a conversation with a fertility specialist about all of the different things we needed to go through, um, particularly I think for myself to try and start to really understand what it was going to be like and, and what what our options were because I was still at this point very much there's got to be a natural way, like there's got to be mm. the most natural way possible. Surely I'm in, a good, I'm in good nick that we should be able to figure something out. I don't remember how we found Juliet. I don't either. I was literally just thinking that. I think we probably just Googled. And Do you we, we, and uh, I think Juliet is probably one of the a small handful. Oh no, I remember how we. I found her. Someone must have told me. I'm a bit of a hippie like this. I wait for people think to just things to come to me. I'll ask the universe and say, "All right, give me some, give me something." And I remember someone told me about her specialising in cancer patients and fertility treatment. Right. Right, okay, yeah. That's what she specialised in. Because I think at the time, well, at the time I was on air and had lots of resources to kind of women's health and I had a radio show on the KISS Network and we were a two-girl show who did a lot of women's health stories. Yeah. And so I was quite um, in the mix with lots of different kinds of people. So someone would have told me somewhere around there that this woman specialised in um, post-cancer situations okay. and how people could have kids after cancer okay i can't remember that but yeah, yeah that, that was such a that it was not a long time ago but feels like such a long time ago. oh my god can you think about it? so we made that decision and then we decided to say yes to basically all the tests that she wanted to do yeah which meant that we went from a lot of it was invasive for me because we wanted to make sure that since my body was going to be uh, the place that it, the implant and everything was going to take place. Mm. We needed to check everything out. So I had... I pumped water into your... In- I had the, yeah, the tube flusher. Yeah. Um, I had, what else did I have? I had like different ultrasounds. You had an interesting one though. Did I? You had to test something to see whether your sperm was going into your testicles. So maybe oh, yeah, no, if I we just- ran out of sperm, we could extract sperm from your testes. Oh no, your urine too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I had that test where I had to drink a whole bunch of water and then... and then. Um, did you have to wank or did you... Yeah, have- I did. I did. So I had to do that. I had to... I had to... Um, I had to masturbate. Um, <laughs> we had sex in the thing. Yeah, yeah. So oh I drank, drank oh, a whole right. lot of water, like a crazy <laughs> amount of water. I remember just feeling that sitting there just going, oh, man, I'm going to explode. I'm just so much water in my blood. How can I think about wanking or having sex right now what's going on <laughs> anyway so i was meant to wank so i had that um that ejaculatory response which i you still maintain as a man who's had his prostate removed uh-huh. everything is still the same you just don't you just don't come doesn't come out of your dick yeah, yeah. um so <laughs> this is the only way to go down this road yeah so um but our, instead of instead of doing that, I remember we had sex in that little room. That was pretty awesome. Um, yes, yeah, and the funny thing was there was an area where all other guys obviously went to wank, mm. not together, but the waiting room of – it was like a wanking <laughs> waiting room. No, not, not together. They don't, was, no, this, don't just get dudes in a room and they'll just go, hey, how you on, Steve? No. Yeah, how are you, mate? What are you doing? Yeah, just, just, just going to jerk off in this cup. Thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah, but just, it was, no, you, can, you can look on, okay, mate. That's fine. I, everyone gets it. But there was a wanking waiting room, so people were waiting in there to go and wank right I sat in there with you and then I got told off because apparently it was for men and people got um people got embarrassed when there were women there so then when you got the call to go into the room I was in another waiting room which later on was would be we'd find out would be where we did a lot of our IUI where I'd get my DNC where we had miscarriages like it was a very familiar waiting room in the end but this was new I waited out there 
and then you were like, we're on. So you went into the room. I came in and we had sex in this weird yeah. plastic room mm. and then you had to piss in a cup. Uh, yeah, to see if there was any right. sperm going in there. But then, yeah. So we were hoping, which we thought was a bit of a miracle at the time, that there would be traces of sperm in your urine that we could then use as extra sperm for us yeah. because we've obviously only got a certain supply and then it's done. Ben does not ejaculate. So you can. So this particular doctor was trying to find all the kinds of ways that we could retract sperm in case we needed it. Yeah, but it was all a bit misleading because... Um, we did that, so there was still a little bit of hope, and they were like, oh, okay, yeah, we can't see any there, but, you know, you're still sitting there thinking, okay, maybe we didn't do that quite right. But then I went to another doctor at um, IVF Australia, and that was her who said, oh, no, 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 you won't you won't get extract sperm that way. They were, were having your prostate removed, you've had, but I can't she, remember what the name of it is. She but- was a prostate specialist, like she was testicular and prostate specialist, that second one you went to. Yeah, she just. Fuck, we've spent a shitload of cash. I know. She just no. She just knew exactly what the surgery I had entailed, which meant having a tube cut and tied off, which meant that no sperm was ever going anywhere except in. in Not even your balls. No, potentially in there, but you have to cut it open to try and find it. So that's the last resort. Get a syringe, which we still don't know if we can do if we ever need. All this talk of that is making me feel better. Oh, is it? Sorry about that. Sorry. Um, You know, but. You know, it's fine for me to have the dildo up my vagina every yeah, but you're second not day. Components of you cut open to have stuff removed. Aren't I? What about the DNC? What about the cyst removed? What about the the water shoved up my fallopian tubes? Yeah, okay, but those. Yeah, okay. I'm not denying that that yeah, is uncomfortable, just, but yeah, that's. <laughs> you're trying to stump me. No, with pain. <laughs> Because I'm telling you. No, see, what's happened is you think that I'm trying to stump you with pain, <laughs> whereas I'm just telling you what happens. In the- anyway, um, my point is cry me river is what I'm trying to say. Okay, crying you river. Because also eventually I'm going to squeeze something out of there. And Currently crying you a river. You getting some sperm out of your testes from an injection is nothing. Remember the injections? Not we the injection, also- they have to cut it open. No, is that, they said also... Okay, anyway, this is getting way off track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she did say you could just get pull them like a biopsy kind of vibe. Right. Not that it's a biopsy, but the I same needle. I know what you mean. Stick a needle in there, suck it out. But then they out. don't know where they're getting it from, so that's why they have to cut it open and open it up and remove it that way. Whew. Whew, geez, that'd, that'd be hurt, des- wouldn't it? That'd be desperate times, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's making this seat feel a little uncomfortable. Mm. Um, anyway, okay. So, so we're then we moving did along. So we did find, was it a cyst? So we had to, by this point, Polyp. we sat down. I had a rough trot by that point. We walked out of that same fertility specialist lady's um, office and we were walking out and I had about 17 missed calls from my manager and I'd found out that our show was not being continued. So as of that morning, I had no job. Mm. Couldn't oh, even go right. into that work. That on that day. Yeah, I forgot so about that. Yeah. the next few months was pretty full on because whilst we were going through all these tests, I was also mourning my, my job, mm. thinking I was getting a promotion and was basically fired. You know what also reminds me of that day? I have a little lunch bag container <laughs> that I take my lunch to oh, work in. Oh, we bought that at Bondi I Junction? I bought that at Bondi Junction yeah. that day. Every time yeah. I look at that, it reminds me of that. Actually, I'd forgotten about that, but now it's going to remind me of it. Okay. Um, so that wasn't a big decision, but we did then have to change doctors because Dr. Juliet Koch uh, moved back to Adelaide. Mm. Um, so if you were in Adelaide, Dr. Juliet was great. And then we chose to go with Dr. Tash Andriadis, who, funnily enough, I had interviewed before on my show yeah. and didn't realise. She's a fucking legend. She's in Newtown in Sydney. She is a legend. Uh, absolute legend. So, so happy with her. Um, and so then we had the discussion. So then, so not a, So this is the point I think we're getting at here is that, you know, then we kind of do these tests and sure enough, we're off looking for another doctor already by about, you know, Two months later, we're already in cahoots with someone else. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that process we go through again. So you go through all the research, you figure out what, you know, it's just never ending. So then, and this is early stages. This is the beginning of our process. We go see Dr. Tash. She wants to do her own tests. So yeah. we end up doing a few more there. And then we find, was Always it Always happens like that. Whenever you go to a different doctor, they're like, no, I need to do my own tests. Mm. No, mm. it was a polyp, not polyp, a cyst. Right. Yeah. So we then had to make the decision of whether we would cut. And I'm not... In your, so a polyp in your uterus. Mm. So that's what they, they... Or her suggestion was to... Recommendation was to have it removed. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it will cause problems, but... Um, 
it just makes it easier for um, implantation or in not insemination. But There's nothing for, to get in the way, she yeah, said. Yeah. So it was really tiny. And so then we it – was, it was a funny one because it was like I thought I had – endometriosis but I decided never to get a laparoscopy because Mm. I was able to minimize my pain from diet so I still will never know if I technically had endo yeah and it was a bit the same with this situation but you had the symptoms of endo that that 100% like I was in hospital you know um from I passed out from pain so and I'd had a lot of symptoms that over the years we figured out that I did but the point was is that I was able to kind of not cut and, and change my life because actually when you do an, a lap, you can get diagnosed with endo, but they don't necessarily – it doesn't go away forever if they, you know, work on it then. It, you might need another surgery. So it was kind of like, no, nah, I'm going to try the forms. Yeah. So it was a bit the same with this polyp. It was kind of like we know it's there. We don't know for sure if there's really going to be any problem but what do you want to do? And it was weird. I was pretty different about this. I was uneasy about it, but she was kind of – I really trusted her and and she was very much like I just go with in with let's do all options. So it felt fairly invasive. But then before you know it, we're three months into even just opening up the conversation about potentially trying for a baby and I'm in surgery. Like it's it's quick. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, I think that's a, the, the thing as well. Like I was just thinking it's like – you have those challenges and then you feel like they just roll one into the other. And the first challenge is, oh, okay, we've gone to a doctor. She seems really nice. This is great. Then she tells you that she's moving into state. <laughs> so you're like, oh, okay, cool. We've and got to find the, the next end- one. So you've got the next one and then the one challenge comes after the other and it just feels like you're on a – It's exhausting. Yeah, but it feels like that's what you're meant to be doing. You're like, okay, we've got to overcome this one. Okay, now we've got to overcome this one. And that's – you're right. It does. And I think we – you actually gave some advice to one of our um, – couple goals support group members with a very much similar idea she just had some surgeries didn't get the results so I guess the answer she was looking for but you reminded her in your comment of the fact that it may not have been the exact response you wanted but you're a step closer to where it is that you're supposed to land with this Mm. and that's the way we kept looking at it every single layer of this onion was peel back peel back peel back to kind of get to an equilibrium or um, is it is it audiosynthesis? What's it where your what, – what's the word when your body's <laughs> – Audiosynthesis. Is it – what's the word when your body is at at, at level? Equilibrium. No. It is equilibrium? No, there's an actual word for your health. Homeostasis? Yeah, that would be it. Yeah. So it's kind of like that's what the aim is really. What we mm. were aiming for is to get our bodies at that state. So then when we did the IUI – we were because we were we planned to do the IUI first. Yeah. So we did that, and then the next decision was when. Yeah. Which exactly. We didn't really hesitate with, did we? It was kind of like, I remember I was not working at this point. We were launching some other projects on the side with um, with the work that I was doing then, and what it would have been over a year ago now, just over a year ago, early twenty eighteen. And I was kind of under the impression where I was probably working, I must say, from my decision levels were a little bit erratic. And I remember not really having much of a considered decision at all other than, oh, fuck it, this might take us a really long time. Let's just roll the dice and have a go. Yeah. I mean, I think that's actually what I would have said. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There was a gap. It was ready-made for us mm. to move forward. It was like, okay, well, there's things that we want to be doing here. You've got things you want to be working on in your career, mm. with your career. Um, my career is, has been is, is maintained, so there's been no disturbance there. Um, and we were, Maybe like, this is the time to pump out a baby. Yeah, 
and I think we just threw a lot of things up in the air there. We went, okay, we've got, you've got this, this, and this. We want to achieve these things. So we just went ahead and rolled the dice and let the universe decide what was going to be right for us. Yeah, so that was where ovulation tracking started. I was um, with Janaya, so I was in the city in the middle of Sydney um, in Kent Street, and that was a new experience for us. Mm. Um, and those decisions are made for you by that point because you you ovulate when you ovulate. Um, but that experience was really great. We had um, our implant done, I guess, maybe what it would have been about March last year, and it was successful. So it wasn't a decision there. We yeah. were over the moon. Wow, March last year. I was just thinking that. that. That was not that long ago and that has been a really long and uh, winding road since then. And then the, the next decision we had to make after that was... Um, whether we was a, you know a, a minor one in comparison to the other decisions we'd have to make, but um, we had to decide because our doctor was keen to use pessaries, oh, um, yeah. progesterone. Forgot about that. Um, whether you wanted to do that afterwards, which um, was meant to um, mitigate the chances, or not mitigate actually, just to to lower the chances of having a miscarriage. Uh-huh. So to take the pessaries. So uh, te- pessaries are like progesterone, straight progesterone little tablets. And they're in little um, kind of, they look like little dishwasher tablets, I think, uh, in little separate kind of packaging. And you stick them up your vagina and they're supposed to, what, create some protective extra progesterone layer or some shit? Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. I think the, the having more progesterone in your body was going to help to, you know, um, help to stimulate the baby's growth and prevent miscarriage. Again, uh, you're right. It was a decision, but not a massive one because... We didn't know what would happen. So we were just like, yeah, sure. Okay, we'll do it, that. If you recommend that, we'll do it. And she was very much all my all my clients or all my patients have this. Yeah, yeah. So we did that. Um, yeah, and then, it, then the decision started to be hard and bad. Mm, because there were a lot of side effects there that was causing a lot of kind no of- no i don't i don't think we were aware of that at the time yeah. i'm talking about the fact that um we didn't have a heartbeat on our scan okay yeah so it turned pretty quickly to i don't know i don't really even feel like there were decisions through this process i think it was just kind of everything just changed yeah, from and, there. And I did have bad side effects from the pessaries, but it, I'm just trying to take myself back. There wasn't a decision about it. There's nothing, there's no decision yeah, about those mood it. swings. Yeah. 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 But it was interesting because later on in the picture, so the only decision we had to make about the miscarriage was whether we would do the DNC or whether we would um, try or see if the. Um, Miscarry naturally. Yeah, which yeah. is what I tried to do. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't do that again. No, that was pretty horrific. Yeah. Yeah, I was pregnant for four extra weeks. Yeah. Knowing that I had a non like a not viable pregnancy. Yeah. Worst time of my life. Yeah, it was tough. It was very tough. Yeah. And then we made I remember calling you one day and saying, We're coming up to twelve weeks and there's just not a fucking chance I'm gonna have this momentous kind of time with a pregnancy that's not viable. No. So we had a really good we, – we actually go to the Royal Randwick uh, Women's Hospital. We're in the area and there was, there's a, a, I think, a, a woman, a nurse that actually looks after DNCs there that I see often and that we saw both times. So I assume she's the particular nurse that mostly must look after those cases and she was – Excellent, And she, we saw her. So what we decided to do, one of the decisions we did was went in after we had the second scan with no heartbeat, sat down with her and had an appointment in the morning, found out all of our options that we could take medication, we could have a chosen operation DNC, or we could wait. And then we left and we decided to wait. But we did have the appointment. We did go in and check out all of our options. And she said, try, if you are going to try, here's my number just call me if it gets too much and we'll just book you in pretty much straight away. Yeah, I remember that. And then I called her and she did. She remembered me. So it was – so, yeah, so then we decided a month later that we would make – we would have the DNC. Yeah. That was a very tough decision because 
I wanted that pregnancy. Mm. And I'm sure most people and women can relate. Um, I don't know if other women have had an abortion and then tried to have a baby and then had to have a very similar process with a DNC, which I really empathise with. I haven't had an abortion, but I do remember speaking to the woman about the DNC and asking, is this the same surgery as an abortion? And she said, yes. And I, I was, I mean, I'm always asking questions like that because I'm interested, but I was so confronted too because it was like, fuck. And that's amazing. I'm so pro-choice. It's not even a question. Everybody has the right. It's my journey. I've got no business talking about anybody else's time or decision in that room and why they do what they do kudos to everybody like it's not about that but for me I'd never had an abortion I'd made such a point to never have to make that decision because I knew I probably wouldn't have it was just not something I thought I would be able to do so here I was having to make a a different decision but it was just it was just a weird situation to have to sign and choose to say bye even though I knew the baby was gone I still had to voluntarily be the one to get it gone like it's messed up yeah it was a hard time like that's a choice you know it mm. wasn't but it was yeah then what then you know after that we had to make the decision about you know when we were going to try again whether we would go straight back into it or whether we would take a break which is another really hard uh situation because um yeah, I mean, it was such a... Think about all the conversations we've had. Fucking hell. I know, yeah, yeah. So full on. You're right, though, because a lot of people were telling me, just try straight after a miscarriage. You get, like, lucky. Yeah. it's You're much more fertile. But we weren't We weren't emotionally... Uh, I don't, you weren't ready emotionally. That really took its toll on you, that situation. Um, granted that it was a miscarriage and you lost a baby and that was that was in, that's the incredibly hard thing in there. But you had also just gone through your polypectomy, having that surgery. You'd had an IUI, and then you'd had a DNC to have, you know, to to you know to oh have a miscarriage. Body. Yeah, and and your body wasn't used to that. So I think that was what weighed the decision heavily in my favour to go. Okay, we need to take a break, and, and we shifted. Thank God you did that because I don't now. I'm getting a bit emotional thinking about that because for like I've never really had much surgery or barely take Panadol so to think that my body went through basically almost three in surgeries essentially I was under anesthetic three times there was another procedure that I had in there within five months Mm. your body must just my body I know was fucking buggered yeah I was anxious as f and I wasn't used to all that poking and prodding you know and I don't know if many of us are and we don't know when to stop no you know because i was considering maybe we are more fertile you know and you were the one going nah we're we're and we're breaking yeah you yeah know? No, i mean I, I did i did question about it i was like okay is this the right time to do it but i could just see it wasn't and didn't feel right and we need to have some fun we went away and got married we made that decision <laughs> yeah so that was another decision which isn't really relevant to, I guess, our fertility story, but it was more decisions we were making because we decided to elope, which was such a huge decision for us. We had a really good time. Spirits were were high. I think it was good to just put that all out of mind for a little while. Um, and then we came back and just got back into life. And, you we know, didn't then talk about it for a bit. I remember. No, 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 no. I think we're which both, was good. I think yeah. that's good. It's a good thing. It was, it was traumatic. And you have your grieving period, and then you're like, okay. You need to let it sit for a little bit. I just want some normality. I was trying to reset a career. I'd done an online course and was starting to look at doing self-care workshops and, and, and you know, going a completely different direction than I had. There was, it, was just too, it was just too much. And we didn't really, funnily enough, we, neither of us brought it up for a few months. No, no. I don't remember the first time we brought it up again. No, I think it just would have just happened naturally in a conversation. And, you know, then it's it's pretty easy to make the decision to go and have another attempt after you bring it up and you decide, okay, should we have another attempt? Okay, we know what to expect. Um, we don't have to think too hard about it. And, uh, yeah, we just got back in and had another go. And I think we were pretty resolute then as well and had also known what the potential negatives can be. You know, we knew that we, knew that we could get pregnant because we did it on the first go. Um, and we also knew 
that that it, there was potential miscarriage in there. So we had mm. both of the both of the ends of the both sides of the coin we had experienced from one experience. So we knew what to what to expect. We so, waited about trying to think. We went away in July. August, September, maybe we started discussing things in October. So it felt like to me when we're telling this story that we waited for like six months or four or five months, Mm. but really we just took a couple months off. So we took July off because we were away. August, we didn't talk about it. September, we didn't talk about it. We didn't try in October. It was November that we started, that we did another attempt. But, um, But yeah, it felt like so long and so it's, I get it. A lot of people don't like to think about skipping a couple of months because you're so keen, mm. but it, it definitely several times has been very helpful for us. We've had a few months here and there in between just to just to call off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's I think that's been good for us just to get that fun back, which we will talk about in an upcoming episode. We've got a few more for season one, and one of them is, yeah, talking about how we – activated other parts of our life to get through it all and yeah. to continue and we will continue to do that yeah so yeah talking about decision making that was the you know we, we we came across that decision naturally to have another attempt and get back in the swing and i think even then we started thinking about the decisions moving forward from that it's like okay we'll have another couple of goes and if they don't work then we'll start to consider ivf but, uh, yeah, and we had st- – I think you're right. We had started to look at the long plan because we had also made a very big decision to change from uh, the public – the private system we'd been under or the paid system we'd been very happy with. You know, miscarriages happen all the time, but we fell pregnant on the first go. So it was a very, very hard decision to decide to move to the public system. I think I was listening to a podcast in about uh, September or October. You were, you were yeah. And, um, and I didn't listen to many pregnancy or fertility podcasts, to be honest, and this isn't blowing smoke up our ass because you might be a fan or not. I haven't really liked many of them. Mm. Um, there was one particular one that I thought was okay, but they're all a bit clinical and I don't know, they tell everybody's different stories and I felt like a lot of the things had ended up being a bit repetitive. Um I was just wanting to look at one person's uh, journey, like that's why we started ours. Um, But I happened to just randomly fall on this IUI episode and this woman was talking about how she had uh, IUI for $300 um, in a hospital, you know, in Newtown or somewhere. Yeah. And I was like, bullshit. So I went to the GP within like a week and she said, yep, sure enough, uh, the Royal Ram- Ramwick Women's right near you where we had, had gone for the testy, the urine sperm and we'd gone yeah. for the DNC. Um, so did- just to recap, we had done private that first time. Yeah, and then this with Janaya, with Janaya. And, um, and then we... They and then she said, "Yeah, they, they do IUI. Is a very small cost involved. You'd have to. Then we had to make the decision because we also have to transport the sperm. So we'd already transported it from a place in Surrey Hills to Janaya. Mm. Um, the transport system, and just so you know, you know, this is all our sperm. It's all we have. Uh, so it's it is like there is nothing that is more precious cargo than this." sperm to us it's yeah. our future family you could there's nothing that yeah. in, that we have that would be anywhere near the worth of that yeah. shit i went to went into the long conversations on the phone with the courier trying to determine well, we about, had to, do we remember, move half of it do we move all yes, of it is it going to be safe is it going to get yeah. there they're very re- they were very reassuring though they were great they were uh, but it was interesting because i was like so we got it to janaya and then we're wondering well we're probably going to end up back there at some point because we'll we will be looking at ivf at some point in our journey because even if we fell pregnant from IUI for our first baby, Mm. um, I'll be much older when we try again. So IVF is just obviously going to be in our journey because we always will have to use fertility treatment. So we assumed and thought we would end up back at Jenea um, because we were very happy with them, but we'd made the decision in the end to keep it all together. (laughs) So then we had to make that call. But, yeah, we did make that difficult call to go public um, and that was hard because there were very big differences. Mm. There were very big price differences too and we just had to think about what was best for us at the time and the longevity of our plan. Um, we want to have several children and we really weren't sure how many attempts 
um, it was it's going to take, you yeah. know. And so we just had to think, well, we might as well give it a go. We know I can fall pregnant from an IUI. Mm. We know that the process doesn't need, and no offence to anybody, but that much brain, you know, really you ovulation track and then you all kind of figure out when you do it. Mm. Little did I know that there were, there were quite some serious differences like – with the IUI in public or the hospital, they do it the day after, whereas Janae do it on the day, which I I much prefer yeah. because it's just, okay, we've tested you, you're ovulating, let's go now rather than see you tomorrow. And it's like, oh, what if I'm not going to you tomorrow? <laughs> um, so those changes were difficult. Uh, but, you know, that's we've experienced both experiences where if you've uh, got the money to do that, then you know you get you get extra stuff, and if you want to kind of see that that stuff wasn't so worth all the money this time, then you try the the cheaper way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so we had to make that decision to go to public, and we did. Um. And we were very, you know, we we're very happy. There were some challenges because it was different. Mm. Um. But overall, eh, look, it's hard to say because then we tried. No, you know, towards the end of last year, and we did two attempts, and neither of them were successful. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, then we had to decide um, whether it was whether it's time to do IVF or or continue on the IUI path. Mm. And um, I think before that, though, we'd also had to decide whether we were going to have another break because at that point my body wasn't in great shape and I changed acupuncturists, which again was another decision because I was quite happy with our original acupuncturist. I'd also fallen pregnant under her care, Mm. but I just had some feeling in my gut that I needed to mix things up. Yeah. So I changed to someone that I was recommended and I also saw a different herbalist. So we amped it up. You know, we were seeing, I was seeing an acupuncturist twice a week and a separate Chinese herbalist on top of that. And the the man that I um, still see, uh, his name is Daniel Dung and he's in Maroubra in Sydney. Mm. And he said to me, there's not a chance in hell that you can carry a baby. Right. Did he at that time? Pretty much in his Chinese way. Yeah, right. He was, yeah, okay. He didn't say those exact words, but he's like, yeah, laughed. Because you were so depleted and so, so drained from the whole um, work experience. He said, my pulse was so weak, Mm. but yet I'd seen my other acupuncturist and she hadn't really been that honest with me. And she would say it would be weak, but she didn't, you know, the thing, interesting part was when he started to understand that we had minimal sperm, he didn't hold back. He was like, don't. Use it. Mm. Let's get your body to a place where I feel like you're strong enough to take it. Yeah, yeah. And I respected that. So then we had to make the decision of whether we wait again. I had that awful cough. Mm. And so we did. We decided. So this was before the IVFIUI chat. Yeah. We decided to hold off and were hoping to try again in February. That came along and my cough was still there, March. Mm, mm. And they were the right decisions as well. We, You know, we found the right people along the way mm. That's to help us make these decisions. I think that's something that's key. It's like, you know, there will always be people that will come along and there's always people that you can find to help you make decisions, whether they be in your family or outside of your family. Um, people are there and they will always come along to help you. I think at the end of the day, though, most of my best decisions through this time have been my gut and you know I don't really know why I changed acupuncturist but I knew I needed to mix it up and I think as well and I thought I felt bad for the woman that I was working with I really liked her they're just different things like that that you have to kind of just go with along the way and trust yourself Mm. and you know and just and to be very honest and I don't know if you would agree with this but I've steered this ship because I have a good well I try to have a good idea of where what my body needs and that was that I just was feeling like I needed I needed more extreme I needed to turn things up I don't know yeah well I think that's the that's the thing as well definitely you are very in touch with your body you have a very this might sound strange but you have a very open dialogue with your body you mm. you ask questions it responds you 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 understand it you know it 
I work very hard at that though and I think that's really important to add to all of the therapies and the decisions and the conversations that we've had I meditate I have my rituals I was in that time of January February I was doing 30-day rituals with affirmations and yoga every day and getting up and talking to the baby and crying through you know womb meditations and fuck me I've done it all Mm, you know so and it helps but it's so much work yeah yeah so so much work yeah I think as well when we started to have the conversation about whether we go straight to IVF after this point because I am getting older Mm. I think that also made me shake things up I kind of was like fuck this if we're about to drop 10g like 10 big ones we may as well turn up other parts of our life like the acupuncture twice a week and go see this herbalist and we may as well give it a crack yeah before we get to IVF so we um yeah we made the decision to do one last IUI and that's been our big our last big final decision yeah 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 there are so many decisions along the path but like as we've just been discussing there are, are many ways to to come to those uh decisions and and find the answers as to where you should move forward whether that's being helped and supported by other people by your partners or trusting your own gut and your own intuition Mm. um but yeah there's many ways to to help you make those decisions and i guess it does come back to trusting your instincts as to to um to uh as to how to best make those decisions and obviously communication with each other I think it's really hard as well when you've got people in your life that are trying really hard to help you, like loved ones. Mm. Um, I had some great friends, but they really hadn't been through a fertility journey. So it was really hard at times. There were times when they really were able to stand up and just give me advice about who we were as a couple, which was great. Yeah. And that was really helpful. But in the nitty gritty of all those little decisions as you go along, they just had to listen, you know. Just can't get frustrated with people around you because at the end of the day, you probably want someone to answer it for you and at the end of the day, you have to kind of, you realise you have to answer it yourself. And I've said this on the show before, I think it is a really important thing to keep in mind and I think it's a beneficial thing that we'll all appreciate at one point if we ever do meet these babies that we're all striving for Mm. is that you know in a way it is a practice of parenthood it's making those decisions following your gut and making sure that you're doing what's right for you and your family and that is that's across the greatest fertility specialists in the country or the world and all the books and all the advice that we give on this show and what you read everywhere else or from family members of that they think they understand because they fucking had four kids all natural like piss off but my point is at the end of the day you know it really does come back to you kind of practicing how you are beginning your family now like you're building those those blocks for you to become a family before the kids get here like I, I kind of see myself as a parent already yeah. You know what I mean? Because of the things we've had to do. I haven't had to do them in any of my other any other parts of my life. So I feel like I'm learning parts about that area of my life um, where we just don't have the baby here yet. Yeah, absolutely. Patience and communication, mm. two of the big things. Yeah, I think as well today before we wrap up, it was just really more – today's episode is really more about a shout-out and, and uh, we see you to everyone that's making these decisions – Every day, today, yeah. tomorrow, yesterday, maybe you had to make a really big one this morning um, because I think when you unveil the reality of this life and you start to talk about these kinds of intricacies of how much it just bulldozes your day to day, I think for me this topic was more about saying, hey, we see you and we know how taxing and full-on and how extra this is on top of what life already is yeah absolutely and you may feel alone like that's inevitable you you're going to feel alone like you're going through this um uh, with no one else around you but you know there are many other people trying to do the same thing and on the same journey as you are and i think yeah and i think also you may not realize all the decisions you've made so good on you because yeah. you're just getting on with it I know that I don't think we really would have thought about it unless we had a podcast to do, you know. And so good job. Pat yourselves on the back. If you're listening to this podcast together 
have a hug or, you know, get off this and go and, and pat your partner on the back and just be aware that every little decision you have to make that we've kind of dissected through on this episode, we know you're making too and and we salute you, really. Yeah, Do I always end the podcast with we salute you? I think that's the first time you've actually oh, said good. we salute you. Oh, good, because I, I feel like it's something that comes out of my mouth no, a lot. No, no. I'm glad because I don't want it to. No. We salute you, everybody. <laughs> uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes and share it with somebody that may benefit from having the intimate details of our life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're putting it out there, everybody. Putting it right out there. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll be back next week with a brand new topic uh, covering all things on our fertility journey. Uh, we are wrapping up season one in about a month's time, I think, just under. So um, we've got a few more to go. We really appreciate your support. And if you are getting involved in the conversation and you're loving what you're hearing and want a little bit more support of a community, come and join us at our Couple Goals uh, group on Facebook. It is so epic. Everyone has been such great support for each other. You can come in and leave if you need, like you might have some successful news and just, you know, be there for what you need it to be there for. But everybody's really great and supportive and lovely and you learn a lot too. Absolutely. See you there. We'll see you there. Bye. Bye. Bijou Podcasts, the home of Taboo Conversations. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com.